0: This is The Reading Instruction Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. This is part two in a two-part series of podcasts looking at teaching writing, specifically focusing on the draft. Remember, there are five steps in the five-step writing process. Pre-writing, one. The draft, two. Revise, 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 revise. Step three, edit, step four and publish or share step five. This podcast focuses on the draft. Now, am I talking about writing? Am I describing teaching? Am I describing being and becoming a human being? One of the goals of these two podcasts and podcasts in the future related to writing is is that the lines between these things might become a bit blurred at times. So we're talking about the teaching draft. When we talked about the writing draft, we talked about how important it was to let all ideas spew forth, even the bad ideas, because one idea begets other ideas and you get more ideas on the page. Now, in being and becoming, teachers of writing, we must allow spaces for bad teaching to occur. Now, no, I am not advocating for bad teaching. Far from it. But, if you take risks, and if you try new things, you're bound to have lessons that don't go just the way you would have liked them. Risks and experimentation are essential components of growth and evolution of any kind. Hence, if you've never had a bad lesson, you haven't tried enough things. And in life, if you've never failed, it means you've been clinging too tightly to the outline. Occasional teaching failure is an important part of being and becoming a master teacher. As humans... And as teachers, living on the good planet Earth, we're not defined by our success, rather, by how we address our failures. A successful teacher and human is not failure free. A successful teacher and human is failure overcoming. Now, in teacher preparation programs, and I teach at the Minnesota State University Mankato. We do not create finished teaching products in four semesters. You don't do this in any teacher preparation program. That is a silly, silly idea. Instead, we create first drafts. We're then ready to go out and go through endless revisions and edits before they become a finished teaching product. However, here's a secret. If we are being and becoming teachers, we never become finished teaching products. We just keep getting a little better along the way. Those magic teachers I've had the privilege of working with over the years were the ones who kept learning and growing up until retirement and beyond. They were still curious, still learning stuff. They never saw themselves as finished products. They were in an endless state of becoming, and this is exactly what made them master teachers. So let's get a little more on track with writing. As previously stated in, a, in the last podcast, most of the teacher-directed writing activities in your classroom will involve just pre-write, draft, and share. These will take five to no more than 15 minutes. Students' drafts are then put in individual portfolios. Now, I would recommend that all student portfolios be kept someplace other than students' desk. Keep them in a special place on the shelf or in a milk box or some other place. Three reasons for this, for not keeping them in their desks. First, this prevents these drafts from getting lost. Second, And enables you as a teacher to quickly review students' folders and chart their progress over time. You can see their beginning drafts or the drafts from the beginning of the year and how they progress. And third, looking at students' drafts gives you a sense of what skills need to be taught. In this sense, your students and their writing become your scope and sequence chart. Now, let's look at responding to drafts. Getting responses to drafts makes them come alive and provides ideas for the revision stage. Getting responses from other students creates a more powerful writing experience and helps writers develop a sense of audience. Here are four simple ideas for responding to drafts the drafting stage. Number one, partner oral response. This is the quickest and easiest option. Here students turn to a neighbor and read their draft out loud. Now always give students the option of simply describing some of their ideas or reading out loud. Simply describing ideas enables students who may not feel very comfortable with their draft The opportunity to still get responses. The partner then responds orally to the draft. Now, you will need to teach students how to respond to each other's writing in a positive, supportive manner. Don't assume they know how to do that. I'm going to give you some uh, response guidelines, and these should be put on a poster to use as a reference. And you tell students that these are just hints if they don't know what to say. So response guidelines, the five of them. One, what did you like? Two, what did you want to know more about? Three, what might be added to make it more interesting? Four, what did it remind you of? And five, what was going through your head as you listened or read the story? These should be put on a poster, these or something like them, And used as a reference, boys and girls, we're going to respond to each other's writings. Here's something you can say if you don't know what to say. All right, partner oral response was number one. Number two is small group oral response. Instead of sharing with a single partner, students will move into small groups to read or describe their drafts. This takes a little more time than the partner oral response, but the conversations that ensue are much richer. As well, students are exposed to a wider range of ideas. And as described in an earlier podcast, encountering ideas always begets more ideas. And having a larger audience enables writers to get a better sense of audience. The third responding idea is trade and respond here. Students trade drafts with a paper, the actual paper, with a partner in a small group, and they write their response right on the page. You can also use groups of three or more students, having them write and rotate their stories until everyone has responded to each. In this way, the draft becomes a living entity with a collection of perspectives. And the last way to get response is called a whole class response. At the end of every writing session, you can choose one or two volunteers to read their story drafts to the class or a tutoring group. And this differs slightly from the author's chair because students will read their edited pieces to the class. This one is just reading the draft. Author's chair is an edited piece. The draft is just a draft to get ideas. So, redraft, when using the five-step writing process, it's a recursive process, not a linear process. Yes, we have five steps, but we often have to repeat the steps. So, it's quite often or quite common for students to get stuck while revising. It then becomes necessary to pre-write and redraft parts of the paper, and students need to know that this is just a normal part of writing. And the last thing I want to talk about in terms of drafts and responding to drafts, it's responding to teaching drafts. One of the limitations to teacher growth and evolution is the fact that we too often work in isolation by ourselves in a classroom. There aren't times and spaces to talk, to get feedback, to give feedback, to view other teachers. We need responses from other teachers. We need to be able to talk about what works and what doesn't work. If we're to continue to grow and evolve as teachers, we need interaction feedback, observation, and conversation. These need to be important parts of professional development. This is one of the best ways to get new ideas directly into the classroom. This conversation is often more impactful than some after-school workshop or graduate course or conference. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. This is part two, looking at the drafts.